So today we turn the tables. So it's my show, but we want to do a debrief of the event and share takeaways and lessons for you, information for you to implement. So we had my CE Ashley O, the Queen Ashley DeLuca on my team. We had her interview me on our show about the event, my takeaways, your takeaways, breakthroughs, things that you can implement right away. Plus we share something very special we've never done before. We're calling it backstage access or backstage pass. You are going to want to pay attention because I don't know if I will ever do this again. It seems really, really crazy, but how about a step-by-step -step implementation guide of everything covered at the event for you to have, whether you were there or not, the details are in the show. We talk about the, uh, the event, we talk about the next event, how you can get in line, what you can do, plus so much more. And so that's in today's episode. So I'm gonna shut up now so you can get into the show. So enjoy the intro, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts about the show today. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Today is a very special episode because I have a co-host, uh, the co-host is officially my CE Ashleyo. That's what we decided to name her. Uh, we don't we don't really have official titles in the company. Uh, we more so have ideas, recommendations, or nicknames for each other that really change all the time. And so I asked her what she said. She said CE Ashleyo. And so the queen Ashley Deluca is here to co-host me today. So Ashley, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you? Uh, I just realized that my coffee is ice cold. Uh, it's been two and a half hours and I was too excited setting up my new monitor and tech stuff to drink my coffee. So now I'm drinking a cold Americano. Oh, no. <laughs> right. It's basically iced without the ice. And so it'll go down faster. So we're doing this episode uh, because we just wrapped our events. We were in Austin, Texas. We did our mastermind event, which then led into our Lighthouse Business Accelerator event, and the event was incredible. And I wanted to do an event debrief and an event recap, sharing some of the takeaways, some of the wins, and also some of the beautiful stuff that happened that we can share with you and uh, give you a backdoor pass or backstage access because we listen to a lot of you. So we're going to talk about that in today's episode. And so I've realized that there's some topics that I do really well with free flowing. Like if I want to talk about mindset or breath work or meditation, or uh, this morning I was studying e, uh, Ikagi, which is like the Japanese term for happiness and not retiring. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do a podcast on that. Those are great. Uh, but if it's more than one topic or three days, I'm going to get lost and go on a ramble. And so I do way better responding. And I personally love being interviewed. And so some of my favorite podcasts have been where people have been interviewing me. And so I was like, Ash, we should just do a team one. You interview me about the event. And then I give all the juicy details that I would forget to give if you weren't interviewing me. So that's what we're going to do today. So that's why Ash is here. Now, before we go, if you guys don't know Ashley DeLuca, uh, besides being like the heartbeat of my company and keeping things going and, and my BFF over here with Sea Turtles, Avocados, email and coffee. Only took me three years to like get it right the first time. Um, she was at the event with me and I'm like talking silent warrior. So before we go on, I want to acknowledge you, Ashley, and for my entire staff, 
that is listening to this. I know some of you listen to my podcast and some of you don't, which is really funny. So for you staff members that aren't listening to my podcast, you don't get to hear this lovely compliment and I'm going to tease you about it. And I'm going to make you go find the podcast and not tell you which episode it was in. And Ash, you can't tell them. Um, but I want to say that like magic happened in the room and you're going to hear about some of it, but it only happened because of my staff. Uh, I play a very small role. I have the easy job, which I just have to stand in front of everybody and talk. They have the hard job. They have to organize it and get people there and support them and answer questions and hold the room and get the food ready and the event stuff ready. And so there's a lot of work that goes into events and especially one at the caliber that we put on. And so Ashley and my entire staff, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. So when you see my staff, if you were at the event, if you see Ashley, do me a favor, slide into her DMs, her love language is words of affirmation and fill that love bucket because they all love it. So that's what we got. So Ash has some questions for me today. Okay, Ash, but you have to hear this story. You ready for this one? Oh, I'm, I'm more than ready. I'm ready. On the podcast that came out, maybe two podcasts ago. <laughs> I was like, I got to tell you guys this story. It's about Branson. And then it, I opened the loop and I was like, I got to tell this story. So when we were in Austin, Ashley, um, so for those of you who don't know, we live in Montana. And my son Branson is five and he's inherited every ounce of my wife's personality, but genetically he's my clone. Ashley can vouch for this. He 100%. Is my clone. And my wife says, thank you for allowing me to basically carry your child. I think she said, be your surrogate is what she said to me. Um, but he looks like me. He's got my like beefcake body, but he's got my wife's personality and heart. And so he loves animals, like loves animals. And we have pet snakes because they're easy to keep even when we're renting right now and we have horses and so Branson loves going to the barn because there's other animals at the barn and there's cats and so Branson's been asking for a dog and a cat for a long time we had a dog Miss Leilani who um has cancer right now so she's about to pass on um I haven't talked about that wow <laughs> um and he's wanted a cat for a long time and we're like, we will totally get you a cat, but we're renting right now because we're still looking for a ranch to build and property to buy. And so we're staying in like condos on the lake that are designed for like daily rentals. They're really expensive. They're really nice. And it's already bad enough having us crammed into this small space with a five-year-old and a 17-year-old and snakes and everything. And we're like, okay, let's not destroy the house. Like we'll be good. And so he keeps asking for a cat and we're like, we will get you a cat, but we don't want to get a cat until we have a property. It can live in the barn. It can be outside. And if it comes inside, it's there, but we just couldn't do it. Like we, we just can't do it. And so we've been talking about it and we're like, we will get you one. We will get you one. He's like, okay, so Ash, we're in Austin, right? And so we were in Austin. And one of the things we didn't realize is that his spring break correlated with the event. And we thought Lindsay had nanny support. And so our nanny was on spring break as well. And we didn't realize he didn't have school. And so when we were gone, she went from, oh, I have eight hours every day to, oh, Branson's not in school. I have him eight hours a day and still has to run the business and do the books and take care of the kids and go to the ranch and do the horses. So he went to the ranch with her every day. And so they brought his quad out there. He's on his iPad. So he runs around. He plays with the cats, the horses, the whatever. And so they're out there one day. And he's pretty well about playing by himself. But if he goes extended periods of time, when you don't hear something or a loud noise, you should be very concerned. I'm not concerned for his safety. I'd say more concerned for everybody else's safety. Because when he gets quiet, there are some thoughts that should not belong in the five-year-old's head. 
And so Lindsay's like, it's quiet, it's quiet, it's quiet. Where's Branson? So she's like, Branson, Branson. He comes running. He's like, what, mommy? She's like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing, mom. And she's like, what did you do? And he's like, nothing. He's like, are you ready to go, mom? And she's like, I'm almost ready. Why are you in such a rush to leave? He's like, I don't know. Just, just ready to go, mom. And she's like, okay. Doesn't think much about it. Goes on for like another 15, 20 minutes. And then they're walking to the car and Branson is like all giddy and like, hey, mom, like, are you ready? Like, don't look in the back. And she's like, what happened? And so Lindsay opens the car door of her big expedition. Now she has this massive expedition. It's huge. Like I have to step up to get into the car. My son is what, three feet, maybe. And he has to like climb in. My wife opens the expedition and there's a cat in the truck. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So Branson went into the barn. Now this cat weighs like 14 pounds. It is a giant barn cat, giant. Like not the nicest, like when he holds it, it's like the length of his body. He, without her noticing, managed to go kidnap this cat, carry it to the expedition, open it without it running away, get it into the truck to hang out with him while he played on his iPad, and then closed it in so that they could go and he could literally sneak the cat home. And so my, my son officially kidnapped a cat. Um, and so obviously Lindsay was like, we can't take this cat. But she called me and she's like, how the fuck did he get this cat in the truck? Like, number one, I was by where the cat was. How did he carry the cat? How did he open the expedition? So it's a giant mystery for us right now. So now... I have to worry about my neighbors and other friends with animals ending up in my vehicle and them ending up in my house because he is now completely confident that he can just go take a cat from the barn and bring it home and call it ours because the barn isn't an ample home for him and he wants him in his bedroom so he can better take care of him. <laughs> oh my golly gee. <laughs> That's the story. And I was dying like dying and I was like I can't even wait to talk to him because I can't make that behavior wrong right like we're, we're like proud of the fact that we're raising an entrepreneur like this little CEO kid and I was like he wanted something we told him we would get it it wasn't fast enough for him so he went and got it and so I'm like okay this is an interesting parenting note so I think that's a good segue Ash that's the whole story now we should talk about the event oh my golly gee that's so funny because here's the thing like now, I don't know, like there, before you know it, you're going to have another sheep. You're going to have another blind sheep in the back of your vehicle. We I, I bet you. That, right. We did a podcast on that about Habib, the sheep. Yes. You talked all about Habib. And here's, here's, and for everybody listening, we're really going to get to the event, but this is for your morning laughs. So you might spit your coffee out, but we talked about Habib. If you have not heard, I don't know what episode it is. You're going to have to Google my show notes and type the word Habib in, but Habib, the sheep is a real thing. And Ash, I'm proud of myself for saying yes when that happened because they went and sheared sheep again on Sunday. And yeah. they were out there for like nine hours because our friends, uh, our friend Alexis, her parents own a massive like high-end sheep farm. And like these sheep come from all over the world and it's like the nicest, I don't know what you call it, wool or whatever. So they need help every time they have to shear them because it's such a big process. And so that's where they found Habib. And so I was like, hey, babe, no sheep no rescues, no nothing. And she looked at me and she's like, I'll never do it again. The fact that you let me take the other one gave me everything I needed to know. And I was like, sweet. I'm glad I said yes to them road tripping 30 hours with a sheep because they don't want to touch it. They're like, no more, yeah. not again. 
not saving it. I'll call somebody else. And so the lesson was learned. The lesson was learned. And so Habib was a one-time story that that becomes a really good story for us to tell. And, and for those wondering, that is our other team member, C.E. Ashley is a young one who's going to add some add some juju to the podcast since he's been adding juju to her Instagram stories. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, he just did his first Instagram story because I was going to do one while I was sitting next to him and he just pulled it over and he typed this whole note and then finished it. And I was like, wait, what? I know you know how to make iced coffee now, but like Instagram stories, you are three. Wait, I don't know about that yet. Oh, I was like the other day I was, I, I came home and Branson ran up, gave me a hug and like pulled my phone out of my hand, ran up to mommy. He's like, she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to play a game. And she's like, how are you going to open daddy's phone? He's like, daddy's passcode is blank, 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 blank. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Huh? And then I was like, oh, I use the same passcode on his iPad to download movies. So when I was out of town and I came back, and I was like, there's a lot more games and movies on your iPad when you left. And I locked them. And he's like, daddy, I don't know how they got on there. And I was like, oh, oh, well, daddy does. So it's time for a password change. Yep. Because you're fine. <laughs> and I have to worry about that now. Oh my gosh. Okay. We are going to segue. We are going to segue. I'm ready. So, okay. So part of, so to give you a little bit of background, when I created these questions, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to paint the picture so that way people could see and understand like who is in the room. What did that look like? The feeling and the intention behind like what we did before the event and then talk about what actually happened in the takeaways and all the things. You gave me? I'm here for whatever you want. Okay, perfect. So I want to first start off with the idea and the concept of the lighthouse, because, you know, in regards to everything that we do within this business and like how we go about, like a lot of what we do is like very much so centered around the lighthouse, which is where the name, the lighthouse business accelerator came from, like as part of that. So what does it mean to you? Like, what does the lighthouse specifically mean to you? Yeah, what a what a good question. I'm actually so glad you asked this. Somebody asked me this on a podcast like two days ago, and I was like, I haven't answered that like this before. And so the lighthouse in the business and in our branding was an accident, but it came from my personal life. And so what a lot of people don't understand is that even when I was at the height of my previous career, like food blogger, author, New York Times bestseller, blah, 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 like I was making a lot of money but I was completely miserable. Like I was so empty on the inside. And so the, the person that everybody saw is they saw me on social media, in the cars and on the flights and in the meetings and in the everything. And I thought that's what happiness was. And I thought that's what my purpose was and what I was gonna be doing for the rest of my life. But I was so miserable and so depressed and so anything. And so a lot of you know that in like the crux of my journey, I was also on like one of the hardest paths of like fighting demons interpersonally. I was doing EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy and plant medicine and breath work and shamanic retreats and blight, everything that you could imagine. And it was when I went to the jungle and um, I'd had a lot of breakthroughs. I'd had a lot of clarity. I'd healed a lot of my PTSD, but I felt even more lost. And, and, and to paraphrase, because this is my show and you guys listen to me enough, so I'll keep it short. Um, what it boiled down to is I got asked a couple of questions that broke my brain for a couple of days and realized that I was waiting for everybody else to tell me who to be, to tell me what to do, to tell me how to live, uh, to tell me how to spend my day, to tell me how to love my wife, to tell me how to raise my kids, to tell me how to run my business. And I was basically getting upset that I was doing what everybody else said I should do, but I didn't like the result, but I was refusing to do what I wanted to do because I never gave myself the space to ask or determine what that was for me. And so 
a very wise shaman asked me some questions that really like broke my brain and it led to a couple days in silence and reflection. And I got to the point where I had to write a personal mission statement for my life. I'd never had one. My entire life for 34 years was predicated on survival, surviving my childhood, surviving um, abuse, surviving bullying. Like a, a lot of people don't know, and I don't talk about it a lot, but I mean, by the time I was 14, my front teeth had been knocked out three times, not on accident. My face was smashed in a bus window. It was smashed on a desk. It was slammed into a wall. My nose was broken twice because I got bullied and beat up. Like my hair got cut off. I got burnt. I had people steal my clothes and trash my stuff. And that was on top of my family stuff. And so like most of my life was bred out of survival. And then I left that. And then I went into the Marine Corps and they're like, oh, you have pain. Let's use it. And they're like, turn your feelings off. You don't hurt. There is no pain. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Blank, 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 blank. And then it gave me an outlet. Albeit healthy or not, at the time, that's all I had. And I turned into a machine. I was literally like, and I can say this, a killing machine. That is all I focus on. I would train for six hours a day, martial arts, shooting, marksmanship, knife skills, tactics, mind, psychology. Like every single thing I did was to make myself as cold, robotic, and disconnected as possible so that I could be the best. And so when I left that, I never took a break. I went from Marine to entrepreneur at the same time because there was a year and a half that I was still in the Marine Corps and I was becoming a food blogger that they were running parallel. So when I left the Marine Corps, my food blog became my new obsession, but I'd never did any of the work. And so as I'm at the height of my career, I still was so dead on the inside. And so this all happened. I wrote this mission statement. And I was like, there has to be a reason that I live. There has to be a purpose to my story. There has to be something that I can choose to use my story for based on the life that I've lived. And, and that was the day that I stared at a blank piece of paper and it, and it literally like no edits, no nothing. It flowed out and it said to stand with structure in the face of resistance to create possibility. And that was the mission statement I wrote. And it felt good to me. Like I read that and I was like, that gives me meaning. That gives me purpose. Like, yeah. Like I can really help people. I don't have to be a dick. I don't have to be an asshole. Like I've experienced a lot, but I can use that story as a way to relate to people and to help them. Not with a business tactic. Of course I can help with those, but like to find their purpose and impact and love their life and wake up with joy and excitement, not dread and overwhelm. And so I wrote that and I never shared it with anybody. For two years, Ash, I never shared it with anybody, but it was in my notebook and it's actually in my notebook on the floor, right underneath me, I still have that notebook. And so I would read it every day. And it was in reading it that I started aligning my life. I became a consultant. I started going behind the scenes. I was helping people communicate better and build better relationships with their customers without knowing what I was doing. And then it was actually my brother, uh, my brother, Steve, who I love immensely. I love you, bud, um, who came in and started working in my company. And I was like, our brand doesn't feel right. Like something feels off. It's not coming across. It's not there. And I was like, I just, I hate all this. I just want a logo. I want something that represents it. And he looked me dead in the eye. He's like, what's that? That thing in your notebook you read every day. And I was like, oh, that's my mission statement. He's like, what is it again? And I was like, to stand with structure in the face of resistance to create possibility. And he's like, that's a lighthouse, bro. And I was like, that's a lighthouse. And literally that day it all clicked. And so it became a totem for me that if I surrounded my brand 
with the things that were important to me, it would hold me accountable to living my own personal mission. So every time I saw a lighthouse, and if you haven't learned this about me yet, Ashley knows this, but I tend to surround myself with the things that hold me accountable to the man that I want to be, right? Like I keep social triggers around me. So I have constant reminders. And so everyone's like, George, why do you wear a hoodie that says unapologetically authentic? Well, I had to wear it for three years before I actually learned how to be authentic and learned what that looked like. But I had a reminder every day and there's probably a hundred pictures of me keynoting in a hoodie that said work harder. Mm -hmm. And I got that from Casey Neistat and it wasn't cause I wasn't working hard. It's cause I wasn't being intentional and I was literally cheating on myself and cutting corners. And I, so I, every time I keynoted, all I wanted was the photos to me to say, work harder, work harder. And so the lighthouse became this totem that surrounded me. And so then I had it, I covered it in my laptop, I cut it in everything. Now I had the lighthouse and then I had my relationship speed algorithms and then boom, boom, boom. And I'm just out consulting. I'm with on it and with vital and with all of it. And then it was some talk I was giving and I was like, our job is to guide people home. And then I was like, oh, and then I started thinking about old marketing philosophies of like value ladders. And I was like, oh, well, different distances from the lighthouse would have different levels of investment and different ways or timelines for them to come in. And then I was like, oh, here we go. And then it started to break my brain. And I started to see business through the lens of humanity. And then I started to merge my mission statement with how I run our business. And I was doing it already, but I wasn't intentional about it. It was more so accidental. And then I started doing it for us. And I was doing two, $3 million a year with no website, no email, no social media, no email list, no marketing, just pure relationships at Lighthouse. And then I started realizing that I had taken my personal mission statement and I had created IP around it in the world of business. And it stood for everything I think a business should have. And so the Lighthouse then became our job is to help our people, whether or not they give us their credit card or not, because a lighthouse doesn't know who's getting its light, doesn't know how far away they're in, doesn't know the trouble that they're in, but does know that if they turn the light off, there's a chance they'll never make it and they'll never know. And so even when people come ashore and they come into our world and into our ecosystem, when we make a declaration to the world, we can't stop shining that light. When we say we're going to do X, it's our job to remain consistent and congruent so that it stays on. And then people can come at their pace. But when they're ready to come home, we have a space for them. And I was like, this is business. Like, this is the business that I want. This is the legacy I want to leave. And this is the fucking world that everybody should live in. Because it's not about who can build a bigger building. It's about who can shine the light the furthest and help them come home, even if they end up on somebody else's island. And I was like, this is the only way I can do business. And a lighthouse is the best way for me to describe it. Lighthouses know who they are. They know what they stand for. They know what color they are. They know what their job is and they build themselves to last forever. And then when I started Googling lighthouse facts and history, the oldest standing lighthouse has been on for the last thousand years and it's only been turned off twice. And it's when they made from whale blubber to kerosene and then the second time when they went from kerosene to electricity. And so I like to believe that the lighthouse for me represents what we're helping people do, which is to build a legacy in a business that outlives their life to have a positive impact. And you can't do that with transactions. And so I want people to build businesses 
and services and offers and products that stand the test of time, not have to change all the time. And so that's where the lighthouse came from. Oh my gosh. I love it. No, that is you either. No. Well, I knew some of it. Like I knew some of those pieces, but definitely not all of that. And so I think the coolest part is that just like it started off in one piece and then it just trickled into another and to another and another. And, you know, I learned about those concepts inside of your um, lighthouse course, like your lighthouse method course. And that's what like allowed for me to be able to even like heal my relationship with lighthouses and how I saw them. And like, you know, and there's just so much power in being able to like take one thing and be able to create it and put it in part of your brand to be able to also create um, a memorable experience for the people in your world to remember you by. For sure, for sure. The one part that I think is so important about Lighthouse before the next question is my favorite part um, is I wrote this quote about a mountain a long time ago, like being a mountain. And the mountain was about like the mountain doesn't care if you walk on it. It's still a mountain. It doesn't care if it's rainy, windy, sleety, snowy. It's still a mountain. Like what Mm -hmm. happens to that mountain or outside of that mountain has zero impact on its existence and purpose. And lighthouses are the same exact way. They get graffitied, they get blown up, they get hit, they get hit with like sleet and hail and storms and hurricanes and everything. But yet the light never turns off. They never bow, they never break and they never turn away. And I think that is the epitome of what a business needs to be built on to have any chance of success in a world that's designed to try to take it down from the outside. And that's the deepest, deepest part of me. It's like, it's easy to turn my light on every single day. And I don't think anything can show up in my life that would even make me consider turning it off. And like, that's the level of investment and excitement and joy that like lights me the fuck up, helping people realize that that's what they have in their business. And the moment that happens, nothing can stop it from succeeding. Nothing. Yep. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. So here's, here's where my next question comes into is I, I know a little bit, but I'm also super curious as well too. Like for you, George, why events? Like, why do you host events? Why do you do events? Like specifically in regards, like there's a thousand different ways that you could spend your time. And so I would love to know why you invest so much time into events specifically within your business. Yeah, what a good question. So the short answer is because my wife said to. (laughs) My wife said to. Um, The long answer is because my wife sees my potential and my ability. And when I'm in front of people, I am purely of service and in my power. Um, And there's a a natural proclivity I've had my entire life for leading people. And, And it was born... God, Ash, when you do this with me, like I'm so emotional because I love you so much and you're like my best friend. So like, this is, this is good. Um, I've never talked about this, but when I was a kid, my brother's five years younger than me and we didn't really have parents. Uh, we had social services and caseworkers, uh, drug abuse, neglect, they would disappear. And so we had to basically raise ourselves. And so this started happening when I was like 10 or 11 to the point where I could notice I had a six-year-old brother who couldn't fight for himself. And so every day it was, who can I be or what can I do to help him? So like I had three jobs by the time I was 11 and I lied about my age. I was doing paper outs at 5 a.m. at 11 years old 
before I would go to school so I could make money. And then I would go to the ice rink and I became friends with them until I convinced them I was 13 and they let me be a skate guard and they paid me $4 an hour. And I would ride my bike down there. And every day was, how can I make it easier for him? How can I help him? And I knew that like, I'd be okay, but I, I just always had it on my heart that like, I can help people. I can lead people. And so most of my childhood was doing the best that I could to lead him through some dark, dark times and days that like to this day, I still can't lead him out of like, it's his life, but it, it never left me. And then I left that. And then I joined the Marine Corps <laughs> and the Marine Corps is an interesting place because you can't get fired. You're under contract. And so when I became the boss, I couldn't fire my Marines. And so I had 55, 60 Marines underneath me and whether they liked me or I liked them, I still had a job to do. And I had to learn how to morph myself to find the humanity in all of us and to find common ground. And it's actually something that really lit me up and gave me purpose. People gave me purpose. And the people gave me purpose because as a kid, all I wanted was somebody to care about me and to be there and to help me. And nobody, it felt like nobody was, but I also didn't know what to ask. And then as an adult, I realized that I don't need anybody to be there for me or to come save me. I can be there for other people. And I have the capacity. I have the heart. Like I have the willingness. I have the ability. And I was like, this stuff happened in my life so I can see people for who they really are. Not for their stories, not for their wounds, not for their accomplishments, but for like who they are as a person. And I realized that I've always had this gift to see people. It's how I learned to trust. It's how I knew where to spend my energy. It's how I knew which ones of my friend's parents would say yes to me if I needed somewhere to sleep or food and somewhere to eat or clothes on my back because those things were bought for me by friends' parents because I would learn to ask and to ask for help. But I learned how to read people out of survival. And all I was always trying to find was the humanity. And so I had gone to events. I'd been all over the world. I'd spoken at them. But there was one thing that Lindsay realized is that every time I went to an event, I wasn't the guy who came in and spoke and left. I was the guy who spoke and stayed and wouldn't leave until everybody else left because I really wanted to connect with every person that I met, every person that came up to me in the talk, other speakers, I'd go listen and like, I'd cheer them on. I'd take pictures of them. And I was like, doing it for the humanity of it. And she saw this the whole time. And then I, you know, started staffing personal development and being a part of rooms where we're helping people have massive transformation. And then there became a point where I never believed it, but she's like, you need to do this. Like, this is your thing. And she had already been doing it for like 10 plus years. And I was petrified. Um, it took three years of her telling me before I even committed to doing my first mastermind event. And the first mastermind event wasn't hard because it was people I already had a relationship with, right? They were in, I knew them. So it was like a go deeper kind of thing. And so like that one shook the cobwebs off. And then I was like, I'm doing events. And I grew these mastermind events and I did them. And she's like, you still haven't done an event. And like done an event, done an event. And, and really what ended up happening is that COVID was the catalyst because that shut the whole world down. And then we moved to Montana and I was like, I miss people and people miss people. Screw it, let's go. And for whatever reason, that was the clutch that needed to be pushed in and shifted the gear for me to go. And I went and um, it took all that time for me to learn how to trust myself, to realize that 
I can intuitively feel what needs to happen. I can be in a room and not have an agenda. I can meet the people in the room, hear their challenges, hear their problems, and make a curriculum on the spot that supports every single person that's in that room. And it took me 38 years of life to even have the confidence to be able to do that and the courage to try, even if it fucking failed horribly. And I got to that point and I was like, we have to do this. And you've been at most of the events since then. And you can tell and attest for everybody that predictability is out the window because it's co-created. And what we do is we set our intention. We know that we want to help people do X, but how we get to X is not linear. It's co-created and done. And I have realized that through all the consulting and the years of taking people's businesses and hearing them and synthesizing them and simplifying them and putting them into processes and, and helping them skyrocket that I've been practicing for eight or nine years just to listen to people throw me every ounce that comes up to distill down what's actually at the root of it and then develop an implementation plan on the spot to put it into their business, whether it's email or customer journey or social or paid media or intrapersonal or mindset or meditation. One of the greatest things that I ever took away from the military was everything we did had to be simple or else people die. And so I would take all these complex concepts and ideas and figure out how to trim it down so that 66 dudes who hated each other could all do it, get along and make it happen. And then I take those processes and then I got Lean Six Sigma certified and I was a black belt in process management and all this other stuff. And then I added the human element to it. And I was like, wow, we can do this. And I was like, I'm a little crazy. Okay, I'm going to trick some entrepreneurs. I'm going to teach them how to do breath work. They're going to do sound healing. Like they're going to start to unlock all the modalities that make them unique. And we're going to give business on top of it. And so the second part of this question is, why I did it. I've been to probably close to 500 events, if not more. I've spoken at hundreds of them. I've never been to an event that I liked. And I mean, liked like I'd go across the board 100, 100. I've been to some 90s. Those 90s are all best friends of mine, right? And there's maybe two to three of them. I'd give Alex Sharfin one. If Bogert ever put on an event, hands down, we're done. Ari Marcel, we're done. Like, I'm literally friends with everybody who does events that like I love. And they all told me you need to do them because we can't do what you do. And so then I was like, what would my event be like? And I literally called in all of the men's events that I've done, like just straight men's up work with John Wyland and what we do for seven days with 90 men in silence. And then when I used to staff personal development and what I did there, and then when I run these big consulting gigs and I have teams of 30 that don't like me or each other. And I'm trying to get them to a common goal. And then my teaching concepts for boom. And then I was like, what would it look like if all of that had a baby and it came together? And then it was about the entire entrepreneur. It's about who they are and increasing their capacity and their strength, their ability, their confidence, their tenacity, their determination. And then working on that so that whenever strategies and tactics we add, actually get amplified and they stick because it changed. It wasn't just shelf service or information that went in a notebook that never got used on. And what would it look like if we blended that together? And that's how you get out of it. Oh my gosh. So good. And yeah, I can definitely like attest to the fact that, you know, <laughs> being behind the scenes, like we can try to schedule as much as we would like. 
But a lot of the times, because of that co-creation, it it always changes. And it's always like has turned out beautifully. And everyone's just like, yeah, perfect. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what I needed. And I've been on the other side of that as well, too, where I have felt that. So yeah. absolutely and, love that. And, here, and here's the thing, like, they still scare the crap out of me every day. Like, I, Ash will tell you, like, we do a team brief in the morning, we do it in the afternoon, and Ash gets all my personal thoughts, because I don't give those to the rest of the team, but she can hold them, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, what am I supposed to do, is this going to work, you know, and then she just doesn't say anything, she just smiles, and she's like, you know, you know, you know, and I'm like, okay, I know, and then I'm going to go do breath work and lean in, but you know what I love about it is that I, I realized a long time ago that how I needed support, I couldn't get anywhere unless I had this one-on-one -on -one coach. And like, I'll use Jeff Spencer for an example. If you don't know Jeff Spencer, go listen to our podcast. Uncle Jeffy is a dear friend, but Jeff is one of my mentors. And I started looking at how Jeff mentored me. Now, Jeff mentors Tiger Woods and Lance Armstrong and like 70 gold medalists and like the world's tippity top of the top and me. And so I was like, oh, I should probably pay attention to like what he does. And you'd think that the, the absolute greatest performance coach and mindset coach in the world would have this toolbox of strategies and tactics, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He has a toolbox of a lot of things that help increase your range and the humanity of you. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's written. Sometimes it's stillness. Sometimes it's a workout. Sometimes it's a practice. Sometimes it's a shift. And I was like, oh, it's the whole picture, right? Like you can train all day, but you're not going to get any stronger if you don't sleep, eat right, and reflect, right? You can go do X all day, but if you don't recover, do blank, 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 it's not going to stick. And so I realized that a lot of the events I was going to was all just this one bucket, strategies, tactics, strategies, tactics, strategies, tactics, or tactics, 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 or personal development, personal development, or breathwork, breathwork, breathwork. And I was like, but what would happen if they all came together and they still accomplished the goal? Because everybody came into the event, this last one in particular, and they're like, we want customer journey. And we actually mapped out everybody's customer journey, step by step by step. And it's funny because at the end, all of them said the same thing. I get it. I understand it. It's already implemented. And I feel like it's not something I have to do because I already changed how I see it. And I was like, now I know, like if I stand in a room and on day one and I'm like, all right, cool, customer journey, boom, boom, boom. It's going to go in a notebook and it's going to go in a bookshelf. But when we start to work on the whole human, and that, that's not like woo-woo stuff. It's like, all right, guys, what are we doing together? Let's talk about blank. Let's do blank. Let's play a game. And everybody laugh a little bit and free up. And then we start to use energy and state changes. And we start to understand, like, even how we go back to as kids, how do we learn? There's a reason we have recess. There's a reason we say take nature breaks. There's a reason we say go have fun and go play because it helps us retain information. It helps us program it in. No one wants to sit in front of a computer or a tablet and take notes for eight hours a day. We're not going to learn anything. This isn't some college memorization test. And so when we started putting those together, now it's funny because everyone, I read a comment this morning, like, holy moly, I've been through the courses. I came to the event knowing we're going to do more customer journey. He's like, we did customer journey on steroids without even realizing I was doing customer journey. And now I get it at a whole different level and I'm happier and more excited and more crystal clear. And so for me, it's almost like it's like the wonder drug. It's like, let's just do all of it, right? And like, if you play, you play. Let's change practice. Let's change rituals. Let's make sure that when you leave the room, when you get home, you keep the practices that you had here that made you feel so good. 
and had you feel so confident and so successful and so supported. And that's what I attempt to do at every single event that we put on. So good. So good. So I have to ask. So one of the questions that came to mind as you were speaking was what made this event different than all of the rest of the events that you've done? What made this one different than all the rest of the ones that I've done? Um, yeah. So this is a really interesting question. Um, and I'll, I'll answer this honestly as I, as I do everything, but I've been reflecting on this a ton. This was the first event where I felt out of control. And so we didn't do it in Montana where we normally do it. So all my event equipment was here. My lighthouse was here. My equipment was here. My comfort zone was here. My home was here. My everything was here. And mm -hmm. we fully surrendered and we did it at a hotel that I did not see until the day we were setting up for the event. I'd never been there. I'd never looked at it. I'd never seen the room. All I got was a friend's recommendation that said, you can use this hotel. It'll be fine. And we had a limited staff. I had limited support setting up. I had nobody to help me get all the equipment there. It was me and five suitcases driving to Dallas or flying to Dallas and driving from Dallas to Austin, unloading it all. And like, it was this massive, massive act of surrender, which was the last little bit that I needed to be fully in my power and in my purpose. And my wife, of course, Lindsay, I love you. You don't listen to the podcast, but if you did, you need to hear this. Um, basically saying that it's going to be fine. Whatever happens, happens. And you always figure it out. But like, this was the first time I really believed that. And I was like, it doesn't matter what the room looks like. It doesn't matter what event equipment I have. It doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. All that matters is that we're in the room and we're in it together. And so my whole frame coming into it, and you could probably attest to this, was very surrendered compared <laughs> to previous. And previous was... Um, rigid and hard and not out of a bad place, but just really not yet understanding the best ways for me to modulate or pour my energy in or lead the team around events like this, because it is scary for me. Like, it's scary for me to think that I'm going to have 75 people in a room and I know where I want them to get to, but the playbook is getting created on the spot. And that I have to trust and know that by the end of day three, that it will all come together and it will work. And so the surrender was a big piece. And so um, answer this really bluntly. From a place of reflection, the first couple of events were about me. They were about edifying me. They were about me validating that I can do this. They were about me trying to get something to convince and help myself believe that I should be doing this and this is my purpose. And they were all done for the right reason. That's why I was doing them was for the right reason. But I was also like judging myself against them and getting, should I do this? Like, is this okay? What do they think? And even Big Chris, uh, Big Chris, I know you listened to this, gave me some incredible feedback. And he said, uh, every other event was incredible, man. They were, they were truly, truly incredible. And he's like, I had breakthroughs. And he's like, but this one was special. He's like, because the other ones were about you. And this one was about us. And I'm not making that wrong. That was a part of my process. And the other events were incredible. Ashley can attest to that. She was there. But there was something very, very symbolic about this event for me. It came in the midst of some massive personal changes that had scared me for most of my life, some massive healing, some massive releases, some massive surrender. And one of my things with all my students and my staff is that I don't hide behind the business. Like you get all of me all the time. And so 
what you see is really me. And this was a big one. Like I've been implementing all the stuff that I teach you myself and I'm still in the middle of this process and I'm growing. And I went to this event. It's like, this is not my event. This is our event. That means that me being in the front of the room, I'm learning, I'm growing. Even if I'm saying stuff about customer journey, I learned way more at this event than I gave at this event. And that's what I love so much about it. And that's why it felt different. And now I have a barometer and I remember and know my process and what shifted and what was here leading into the rest of them so that they can continue to evolve and continue to go where they need to go or where they get to go based on each audience and each person that's in that room. And so that, that's kind of how I got there. No, I love that. And especially when you had mentioned Chris's feedback as well, too, because that's something that we talked a lot about. And that was our reminder every night that we recapped is like bringing it back to the people in the room, making sure that they feel loved and held and supported and being able to have that feedback just like makes my heart so happy because that was the intention. That was the yeah. goal. And because Chris, I love you. I know you're listening to this. I love you. But yes, and, and, and Ash, I want to acknowledge you too. So like, for you guys to understand, like at the last event, I had a checklist for the staff mm -hmm. and it was 22 pages and it wasn't anything controlling, but it was every effing detail, like what? where, the, where yeah. the pens are placed, what the coasters look like, are the chairs aligned, what happens at what break, what song is played, what's boom, what's boom, what's boom, what's boom, what's boom. And I didn't realize that my obsession with control is what was creating this connection and not allowing the greatest moments to happen. And so this event, the staff was a little curious as to why in the morning I was like, how do you feel? How do you feel? What do you want to create today? And they're like, now what? I'm like, go do it. And they're like, what? And so then at the end of the day, we're debriefing. I was like, how is today? And I was like, what's your favorite moment? They tell me, I'm like, what would you make different? And they tell me and like, boom, boom. They're like, what's your feedback? I'm like, it was perfect. Hey, tomorrow. All I want is for people to feel safe, to feel supported, to feel understood, to know that anything can happen in here and they're good. And, and all of us as a staff, two to three times a day, ground ourselves and bring ourselves back to that home button or that keel or that lighthouse where our job is to shine the light. Whatever happens in the room happens, which means I also had to be prepared that at the end of day three, we would end that event and it could have been a flop. Nobody could have ever come back. They might've never worked with us. They might've never talked about us. They could have given horrible reviews. I didn't know, but that was actually something that I had to surrender to and got to surrender to and realize that was a possibility. But I truly believed in my heart that if we stayed in the same page and we stayed aligned, that magic could happen. And we, we made magic happen. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I completely agree. A thousand percent. So good. So good. Okay. So I know for me, when I first was like introduced into your world and, you know, you had like been part of like your first event and all the things I remember sitting at um, the mastermind event being like, I don't think I belong here. Like I always felt like masterminds and like events like this were for people who like owned like huge houses and Porsches and Lamborghinis. And like, that's when you do all the things. And I was like, I'm still like running my business with my kid trying to do the thing. So I would love <laughs> to hear your perspective. Oh yeah, it's it's that yeah. And look at me now. I still don't own a Porsche, but it's all good. Like I, I've been to the events, and so I would love for you to actually like paint the picture of like who was in the room for you. Like when you were standing in the middle and the people that you saw, like describe who who they are, so that way we can then really show that like 
at the end of the day, like there was people from all sectors, like gotcha. all different places of walks and business types and all the things. So I would love to hear your perspective because I could talk about it, but I want, to hear, I want you to talk about it. I love it. And for Carrie, who's listening before you get upset, let me just say it's Portia, Carrie. It's Portia. Oh, is that- I know you're listening. Um, and Ash, I love that because that's funny is like when we met, I was literally in the thrust of it. Like I owned multiple houses, multiple cars, race cars, expensive stuff. And then in that process, I got rid of all of it. And I now live in Montana and I drive a station wagon and I'm happy as ever. And so it's really funny, like to hear like your perspective about when that happened. Um, so I, I'm going to answer this two ways. Number one is that um, this is one of my one of my strengths that I'm acknowledged for from my wife a lot. And I hear and what she says to me is she's like, you just have this ability to make others feel like they belong. And what I realize it's because I believe I belong everywhere. And I truly believe that in my soul. And she's like, yeah, because you're the only one who could get the LA Clippers to work with you when they get stuck next to you on a flight in pajama pants with a blue mohawk and then show up to your first meeting, microdosing a psychedelic, hug the guy, laugh with him, have him hold you like a baby and tell him how much you love him. And he is a six foot seven black man and you are a five, seven white dude that looks like a linebacker, and then that makes them love you more. Like, that's crazy. And I think about it a lot. And I think it's because of what I went back to in the beginning is as a kid, to learn how to survive, all I ever saw was the human. I never saw the cars. I never saw the money, the jobs, the houses. I saw, and I'm going to compare myself to a dog. If you own a dog and you're on a walk, You see a dog and a dog starts barking at somebody from 30 feet away. Pay attention. Your dog will tell you everything you need to know energetically about the people that are around you. They will react to it. They will respond to it. To simplify it, I feel like a dog, Ashley, that I just find the humanity in what's there. And so I told you this from day one. I said, you belong wherever you want to belong. That's it. There's always open seats at the table, but nobody can pull it out for you. And so I say that to people all the time, because if you think about our event room, I'll tell you the range of revenue right now, because I found out the other day, the range of revenue in our room was I've never made a dollar online ever, like ever, yep. Like I just quit my job. And this is me jumping off a cliff to see if I can make it to over a hundred million in that room, in that same room of 50 incredible human beings and everybody left with a breakthrough, with clarity, with direction, with support. And these are not my words. Go read the video comments on my Facebook. They left with a family. Like that's their work. I left with a family. I left with a family. And I have a crazy memory. I I don't know if you would consider it a photo, whatever they call that, like photo, whatever. But I, Ash will tell you, I remember everything. And like, I'm sitting right now in the room like I was, and I can go around the room and tell you who was sitting where and like what their businesses were. And as I go down, we had everybody from like a former Marine to a writer to I own a multi-million dollar company, but I want to jump off a cliff to a realtor to a, I'm a mom working in customer service to a, I've sold a real estate business and now I'm helping other people to uh, I'm not loud enough but I own a meat company to I'm a trainer who got addicted to your podcast to the entire marketing team of Primal Life Organics to I don't have a job yet, but I have a passion for helping women to I help women tell their story 
to I'm a medium and an intuitive and I felt your energy to I help women with MS to everything that you can imagine. As I go around that room, we had public speakers, we had realtors, we had course creators, we had physical products people, like physical products person there doing 30, 40 million a year in the same room as the woman who has never run a business outside of working for somebody and is stepping into that. And they both had massive breakthroughs. And they sat next to each other. They did sat next to each other, actually. <laughs> and yeah. Massive breakthroughs. And so then you have me, which, you know, I own, I don't know, Ash, we need a final count on this one. I think after this week, it might be another one, seven or eight companies, right? And then mm -hmm. my friends who I called to speak in and they're like, can we just sit in the room? And they're like, massive million dollar businesses, or I have made $500 million in one business and sold it, or I run a team of 60 people and they wanted to be in the room that they wanted to speak. They wanted to be in the room and not leave the room. They wanted to be in with everybody. And so our events are about the human. And when you take the human and then you introduce principles, everybody wins because it's at your pace. It's at your speed and we can meet you where you are. And so no matter what, whether it's the interpersonal relationship with yourself, which we work on because that's the foundation of a customer journey to your customers, it doesn't matter if you have a battery company, an electronics company, a coaching company, a supplement company, a real estate company. I mean, I've had optometrists in the room. I've had plastic surgeons in the room and we can mold everything to fit you with the support of everybody in that room to get the result that you desire because it's about the humans, number one. And it's about the principles, number two. And principles stand the test of time and set you up to win forever. And the human, you, learn how to win regardless of the business, regardless of the product, regardless of the service, so that you can apply those tools and those principles to whatever it is that you touch. And then what's my favorite part is one of my events, I didn't tell anybody I had a billionaire come. I had a billionaire come. And he didn't say a word. And he was the most active participant in the entire room. And literally he had to leave for a meeting one day. And I was like, oh, where'd so-and-so go? And I was like, oh, he had to leave. Who didn't connect? And boom, boom, boom. And I didn't tell anybody. They all found out after. And they were like, wait, I was sitting next. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. you were sitting next to. And he was asking you questions. And he took notes and learned from you, even though you only do 100 grand a year. And he has a billion. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I love. And, and, and I have to give myself credit because I am friends with the widest gamut, the widest spectrum of people and clients and everything. And it comes down to this belief that I got as a child to survive, that I just belong. And energetically, if I feel that way, it disarms so many people. So in our room, it doesn't matter. And, and I, it's hard. Like, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be frank. Sometimes people are like, there's no way this is for me. And we had people in the event, like, I bought this last minute. There's no way this would work. Like, and of course, they're like, this worked, right? Yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, I just help coaches or consultants or e-commerce businesses. Like I can help all of you, but really, really what the tilt is, is that I can't help anybody unless you are open to the fact that there's always been a seat at the table for you. And the moment you are open to that, we will make sure that you pull that seat out, you glue your ass cheeks to it. You cement it to the floor and you never get out of the table again because it's yours and it belongs there. And so for me, if I had to describe who it's for, it's for anybody who has a willingness to grow. And that's it. So good.
And I mean, that's definitely what you did. Oh, that's exactly what happened to me. We found a seat and we decided we were going to sit in it. And that that was going to be my seat. Oh, and for we, sure. We actually used this analogy for you as I was coaching you. So just so everybody knows, yeah. Ash came into my world through a recommendation, then through a course, then from the course to the mastermind, then from mastermind to staff. And now she's stuck with me forever. Um, we will kidnap her and her kid if she ever tries to leave, but that's just a passive threat. Um, but like, <laughs> but we went through the whole thing and there was, I remember, like I, I can tell you Ashley's evolution because I have a really good memory, but um, I remember the moment that you realized you were sitting at the table when we were in Montana. And that moment will probably go down as one of the top three pivotal moments in your entire life. Hands down. And it was so beautiful because nobody created that moment but you. And it is just a testament to the events that we do that the space is created and there's a seat there. And the moment you want it, you grab it, you take it. And that could be a seat in customer journey. It could be a seat in how you do your email. It could be a seat in the confidence that you bring on camera. It could be a seat in how you lead your team. It could be a seat in how you love yourself. It could be a seat in how you find your passion, your purpose. Nobody can tell you what your seat is. And anybody who tries to is just lying to you and stealing your money. Our job, coaches' job, consultants' jobs, leaders' jobs is not to tell you what chair to choose. It's to let you know there's plenty of chairs at the table and whatever one you choose, we will support you in. And that's how I would describe the event. Oh my gosh, yes, 100%. And I think along with that as well too, is, and I've had to remind myself of that analogy all the time. And I think um, the way you described it to me originally was like the path, right? And I always was like, I want my path to look a certain way. I want to do X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And you're like, girl, you have to figure out what your path's going to look like. Like, is it going to be blue? Is it going to be pink? Is it going to be purple? Like, are you going to use brick? Are you going to use stone and all the things? And so within everybody who was within that room, like they got to build their own path. They were able to, whether it's lay a couple bricks or paint a couple bricks, whatever that looked like, that's what was created for them. And so I would love to hear from you specifically around one moment. So if you had to pick like one moment from the entire three days, Oh, that God. you okay hold on hold on hold on hold on listen okay oh, listen i got you you're good i like this okay one moment that you would have to take a picture of or have a short paragraph put on your tombstone as part of your collage what would that be yeah i already know and answer. you can pick public or mastermind i'll let you have both if that makes it yeah harder no i you. i knew the answer the moment you said it um, it's just not the answer. I don't know if you're expecting this answer. It'd be interesting to see what you think I was, I was going to say. I have no expectations around what this answer is going to be. No, it's great. Um, the moment, the moment would be a photo of me in front of the room with my eyes closed about as vulnerable, open and scared as possible with my willingness to receive a gift that for 39 years of my life, I said I wasn't worthy of receiving. And then to do it in front of strangers or people that had only been in a room for me and to sit there and cry and be edified and complimented and loved and shown gratitude for without trying to run or deflect or <laughs> pretend or deny and to be fully witnessed in probably one of the most vulnerable moments of my entrepreneurial career. Um, was the moment for me. 
And it was huge to be in a room full of people that paid me to help them, but also knowing that it, this might be uncomfortable and they're going to witness my truth and my humanity and my relationships and my everything. And then if somebody's upset, that's okay. This has nothing to do with them, but I'm going to be open and I'm going to receive all of this no matter what happens. And I was so surrendered and Trina and the girls and you and everybody who aligned to show gratitude for me and the difference that I've made in people's lives. That meant everything to me, but what meant even more to me was my willingness and lovingness of being able to receive it and let it all in. Because that moment shifted the event as well, because there were oh, yeah. things that happened in conversations and in question sessions that I did in response that I don't think I would have done if I wasn't so open to receiving those gifts that I would have been like, yeah, that might be a little too edgy, George. You might not want to do that or say that. And then I was like, I don't care, whatever, <laughs> whatever, here we go. And that, that was kind of it. So that moment was, that moment was huge for me. That moment was huge for me. It was so fun. It was definitely, it, it was, it was one of those things where you could just feel how everything shifted. And within all of that, like being able to like see and feel that everyone else received from that as well too, because of the passion and the love. And that's where that family feel comes from is that energy that is created within the event because of moments like that. And, you know, for me, it's, um, and yes, thank you. Um, I, I agree. My back was turned to everybody. So I have no idea what was happening behind me. <laughs> I, oh, they were all like sticking their tongue out laughing at you. Totally. Totally fine. I love it. I, I did some <laughs> funny things during the event that I've seen a few people got videos of. And I was like, ah, can we not post that? That was an in the event only thing. Uh, <laughs> end up with an OnlyFans account. And, you know, I don't know if we should go there. Um, and for those of you wondering, you're gonna have to come to the next event to see if that happens again, because I'm not sharing about it. So, um, there was, there was that, but also, and I'm going to tie a few of these together because I think this is important to say, I've even had people at my event come up to me on a break and be like, Hey man, like, I know I'm probably not supposed to come up to you. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to like, that's why I'm standing in the middle of the room. Like, that's why we cap these events at 75 people. Like I could never ever like get off stage and go run and hide from people like I could never like I'm the guy who gives a keynote to a thousand people and then at the end of my talk I go sit in the middle of the audience they're like let's hang out let's have water like let's answer questions like let's do whatever and that like truly is the co-creation and so what I love so much about it is that like I learned I gained I gave you learned you gained you gave like it was truly the definition of service community exacerbated out to where everybody could feel it and see it. And I love that we all gave gifts and received gifts and did it. And we did it together, like to where everything was like, we all belong here. We're all at the table. Like I sit at the same table that you all sit at, whether you're at my event or not. That's the most important part for me is that like, I am no different. This walking the path thing that this, this ethos I've had in leadership is that my job is not to be in front of you to pull you. It's not to be behind you to push you. It's to be next to you to hold your hand and walk step-by-step step with you. But I can't take the step for you, but like, we're equal. That's how this game works. We're equal and I will never get off of that ever. Like that is one of the most important things for me is that the humanity stays. And that was a big moment 
for everybody and for me. And then like Lizzie's birthday, like one of our staff members, like we filled her bucket like crazy. And I got to eat chocolate cake because I selfishly ordered two cakes um, because I wanted one and she wanted an ice cream cake. And I didn't like ice cream cake. So I was like, Carlos, get me a chocolate cake because daddy's been burning 5,000 calories a day up here and I want to eat some chocolate. And, you know, those moments like where I'm willing to pull a half an hour out of a business event in the schedule to fill the bucket of one of our team members who it's her birthday as she's facilitating the event. Like, I love that that's celebrated. I love that that's supported. I love that people are like, yes. And they filled it like that, all that stuff. Like there's, there's so many moments, but like there, that was a big one for me. Yes. Oh, and I mean, who's going to say no to chocolate cake? Like for real though. <laughs> really good. I was like this, this even tastes like some cheap grocery store stuff, but they nailed it. They nailed it. Cause I would eat this thing all day. <laughs> oh, it was so good. So good. So within all of this, you had mentioned a couple times that alongside of the event, you were also learning. And so we had some really phenomenal, amazing speakers, Alex Sharpin, Brian Bogart, Hannah and Paulo. And then the breathwork session was Samson. And so what was one, because we could probably talk about like just your takeaways for probably another two hours. So I'm going to ask you to limit it to one takeaway that you had um, from the event as a student. I love, I love this question. Um, I, it's going to be a two-part answer. Um, and I got to give Sharfin credit, of course. Um, but one of the big takeaways, um, and Ash and I will tell you, 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 you might have an opportunity to watch Alex's talk. Um, but one of the big takeaways was uh, decreasing pressure and noise and increasing protection and safety. And so realizing that we all have the same amount of time in the day and we are in charge of designing our lives and we know what gets in and gets out and we are in control of that. And Alex talked about how um, to be in momentum and the worst place for an entrepreneur to be is in full constraint, which means everything's burning down. I'm reacting like I have no space, I have nothing. And all too often, I think we forget to reflect, reimagine, reinvent the containers and the things that we have in our life to support where we want to go, not to support where we currently are. And mm -hmm. I'm really, really good at decreasing pressure and noise. Like my, I'm tight with containers. I'm really good about increasing protection and support. Um, so that was a good reminder for me. But what it unlocked for me was that I have the protection support. I don't have the pressure and noise, but with that space, I'm not utilizing it as much as I could be to be shining my light as bright as possible and willing to be loud about it. And so I've worked so hard to define this life to where I don't start working till 10. So I'm with my family and my kids and then I'm home for dinner and boom, boom, boom. And I was like, but wait, my schedule's so good that like, I don't even have to do some stuff during the day. And I was like, but what could I be doing? And so it was a reminder for me and I was like, wow, I'm always really good about containers. That's what makes customer journey so good. And that, that's one of my skill sets. And I was like, but with that space that I created, I'm actually walking towards my vision, but I'm not turning up my volume knob as much as I can be and as much as I want to. And so that helped me realize that like I bought this space, but I wasn't then filling it intentionally with who I want to be in a year or two years from now. And I was waiting for something else to happen. So it was a very stark reminder for me. And for everybody else, like it was one of the greatest things that I heard, like people were jotting down notes of like, I'm cutting this out. That pressure's gone. That noise is gone. But I love that because what they're doing is protecting the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur, you, the person listening to this, you are the secret weapon. You're the one that picks up the tools. You're the one that walks the step. You're the one that records the videos. You're the one that leads the team. And even if you're an employee of a company, 
you still lead if you want to. They just won't realize it, but you do. And so that big piece was huge for me. And then if I think about the other speakers, Alex's talk paired so perfectly with Hannah and Paulo and what they shared about burning things to the ground to decrease the pressure and noise to Brian talking about the string and using flow instead of force to be able to modulate and do these things without the rigidity. And so like it kind of was the overview of all of it that filled a lot of space for people to then take all the event content and go home and have the space to implement it and put it into practice. And we're getting messages galore right now. They're like, I can't believe I did this already. It's already done. I'm doing blank. I'm doing blank. And so that was a big, big, big takeaway for me. And then um, that was mine. And then as a teacher and a co-facilitator, um, the breath work and hearing everybody's breakthroughs and being a witness and co-facilitating with Samson, uh, which is something I love to do, um, that breath work that we did with everybody unlocked a lot for everybody, yourself included. And I love that part of our job, part of our life, part of our passion is helping people unlock or remember the secret weapons that they already have inside of themselves that they can use at any moment and giving them a taste of what's possible when they use it and watching that happen in a room full of people that literally collapsed 20 years into an hour or took 10 years of struggle and eliminated it in 90 minutes or had clarity that they've been looking for for six years in 90 minutes happened in front of all of us. And to be able to facilitate that and use that and co-create that at our events is literally like one of the greatest gifts that I could ever be given. And also on the receiving end of that, 100%. I, I mean, I can tell you within like being able to walk through the whole flow of the event and then also being part of it, especially within the breath work, it just like complete mind-blowing, completely mind-blowing. And it's something that I don't think I would have experienced via Zoom at all. Like it was very much so the energy of the room and then the attention of the room and the people in the room and those that were there and like all of the things that led up to that point, like never, like, cause I've done tons of breath work via Zoom, but like being able to be in the room really changed the game for me. And like, especially being able to essentially experience that for myself. For sure. And I'll say this earlier, you asked like why live events? Um, number one, video confines me. I run around the room. Ash will attest to this. I yeah. need space <laughs> to act it out. Number two, I love hugs and high fives. And number three, you can't hide from me and I can't hide from you in person. And so I wanted to add that to the earlier answer. Yes, yes, 100%. And so as we go to kind of like wrap the bow on top of all the things, wrap I would love to hear about what, I'm sorry? I said, let's wrap the bow. Let's put a bow on it. Okay. <laughs> So I would, I would love to hear about like what's next, right? Um, you know, we just wrapped up this Austin, Texas event and I know that like, obviously like we still have, I don't know how many more months of the year. I can't math right now, but tell me more about what, what is next? We have eight more months of the year. Um, <laughs> number one is we're doing something we've never done before, but this was asked a ton and there were a ton of people that couldn't come to Austin. And so we actually hired a writer, came into the room, took notes of the entire event basically created an implementation guide and we have videos. So for those that couldn't come to the event or came to the event and want to remember the notes and have a refresher and those who couldn't and want a step-by-step -step implementation guide with the notes, with everything we're calling it like the backstage pass, we are actually releasing that. And by the time this podcast out, it's probably out already. Um, so I would highly recommend 
uh, you send me a DM on Instagram or go to the website, mindofgeorge.com and look for the backstage access or backstage notes. Shoot me a DM that says backstage and we will send you the link. Um, that actually really excites me because I feel like it's going to massively enhance the experience that happened in the room for everybody that was there. And then for anybody that wasn't there, can get all of those pieces that people experience and set them up for the next one. And so we have another event in October, another Lighthouse Business Accelerator. I have a feeling this one's going to sell out really fast based on the last event and what happened. So we already locked dates in, so we'll be releasing those soon. Um, I would say that with CE Ashleyo on the other side, we're really starting to turn up the volume. We are turning up the volume on the podcast. We are having incredible guests lined up. Our content, uh, we're basically refreshing our Facebook group. We're redoing everything. And so we're basically spending the rest of the year in full service and like really getting loud and creating all of the things that will help people implement the things from the events in between them, customer journey, email marketing, the lighthouse map and all of that stuff. And so for me, what it feels like is that I'm just going to turn up the volume. Like that's what it feels like. I don't know what it feels like to you, but I'm like, you would be the better person to ask since you're running all this in the background and I'm like your ventriloquist puppet. Uh, but yeah, what it feels like to me is like, we're cranking the volume up and I'm going to get loud and I'm going to be more supportive. And we have plenty of space to support anybody listening to this, whether it's in the mastermind, whether it's at an event, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, whether you need a customer journey intensive. All I know is that I'm all the way in. I'm 100% ready. And I am the most prepared I've ever been for this next season. And so it just feels really, really good. And I'm already thinking about the October event and speakers and event flow. And I'm what, six months away? I'm like, I just signed the contract and I'm like six months away and I'm already like, okay, we'll do this and we'll go here and we'll have this. And so it, the process started already the moment the other event ended. So that that's kind of what I got. What, what do you think we have for the next eight months, Ash, on your side? Gosh, I mean, for me, it's very much so like, I think about it very much so like volume, but I feel like fire, right? Like I, I feel like very much so like it was like just like a little tiny fire and now it's just like ready to explode and yeah. blow up in the best way. Um, and that's what happened. Like for me in Austin, that's what happened for like so many people that I've talked to as well, too, is just like I felt like I was just a little flame and now I'm like ready to just blow. Like I'm ready to actually be seen and like to be able like going back to the lighthouse idea and concept. Right. Like I'm just ready to shine my freaking light. And that's exactly how I feel as well, too. Bonfires, baby. That's what we're doing. We're just creating bonfires for everybody. I was trying to think of like a good alliteration in my head of like flames to bonfire or like I couldn't think of one on the spot. I'm I'm a little off <laughs> today. I need another coffee. I feel you. I definitely feel you on the coffee. But yeah, no, I, I I'm just very I think for me, though, like what I'm incredibly excited about is like when I walked in like when I OK, so let me tell you this. So when I flew into Austin, I was really nervous. I was like, OMG, did I forget something? Oh, my gosh. What am I? And I was just like, oh. Because like, yeah, previously, like with the other events, like we had all of this documentation that I saw and I was like, okay, we have all of these things. Is this all like, how am I going to remember all of this? And then I was like, blah, blah, like all the thoughts. And then I remember we sat on the back porch and you're like, listen, like we got this hand, like what's going to happen is going to happen. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be magical. And like being able to just like be part of that process of surrendering as well was just so incredibly helpful for me, like walking in and like doing this for the first time, because before I was just like, okay, we're gonna, it's gonna work. Like, it's gonna fun. Like, I can do everything with a smile. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> we call that tack, but we didn't, we didn't need tack. And like, just so everybody listening, like, we have a schedule, like we, we have a very clear intention in a container oh, yeah. and, and timeframes, but 
what what I love about us and the room and the staff and and and, and it's also a testament to to who's in the room as well because I told them on day one, are you open to co-creating this and and willing to participate in this and and to do all that? And everybody was a yes from the get-go. And, you know, earlier asked like why this event goes so deep and so different. I think one of the reasons too is that nobody was forced to be in that room. Everybody was on the same page. We spent the first hour of the event like, why are you here? Does this feel right to you? If you want to leave, I'll give you a refund right now. But like, I want to make sure you're here. Like, do you want to be here? Do you want to do this? Like, everybody trusts the process. It's three days and that co-creation is so powerful. And I love that it's our ability to do that. But really, it's also the testament to every one of you that was in the room because you're willing mm-hmm. to play and your willingness to support and your willingness to be open and vulnerable. And like, in our world, what happens in the room stays in the room. We record the speaker talks, but we don't record the other stuff uh, because that is in the moment. But you remember those moments. And for all of you listening that shared a breakthrough or a fear, or you were in the room with your mom and we had stuff coming up in breath work and your willingness to go together. And we had Miss Spunky Lee over here just like spreading wisdom, you know, throughout the room. But those moments were incredible. And every one of those moments helped every other person in that room. And, and that's what I love so much. And, you know, it's funny, it's like all the applicable lessons to business at the same way, where one of the biggest things I help people with is trying not to linearly control what somebody else is doing, but instead create an intentional container that allows them to operate at their speed and still get the desired result. And that's what a customer journey is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all links back together. It's, it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautiful. Like my new <laughs> so monitor thought. giving me like epilepsy right now. The thing's still spinning all the color. I set up a new like 50 inch monitor today that I'm excited to work on. And I'd like put a light show on and I'm glad I don't have epilepsy because I'd be like passed out right now because that thing is going crazy in the corner and I cannot have that on when I podcast again because my ADD is like, no way, no way. I think, oh my gosh. Is there any more? Do you have any okay. rapid fire ones or we, we, we can wrap there? I think we can wrap there. I think that that feels really good to me. And I really, I think the biggest thing is, is that coming from like my own perspective, you don't really know until you experience it, right? Like we can talk all day about it and the backstage pass is going to give you a really good glimpse as if you're sitting in the seat right alongside of somebody else. But the experience that you have within the room is something that can't be recreated via Zoom. It can't be recreated through a Google Doc. Like you, like I don't want to say you have to be there, but you kind of have to be there in order to be able to actually feel it. You have to be there. Yeah, Yeah. you have to be there. The end. The end, for sure. And here, and uh, that's what we're calling, right? The backstage pass. I love that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yay. Great. I think think it's more appropriate than the lighthouse back door because that one might be a little, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Daddy's dirty brain doesn't like that one. So we'll stick with backstage pass. So listen, if you want it, um, shoot me a DM on Instagram. It's just backstage and we will send you back all the information. Um, I will tell you right now, it's kind of going to blow your mind because it is a step-by-step, page-by-page, note-by-note, broken down everything that was covered and the videos that go along with them. And if I find anything that might need a little bit of clarity, I told Ash that I would record some training videos to help enhance what's in there to make sure that you can implement as well, even if you weren't there. And so trust me, there's like two sections in particular that if you just spend an hour on both of them, you'll catapult everything that you have in your life and in your business. And so I'm stoked about all of that. So I think we should wrap it, Ash. Let's put a bow on it. Let's do it. Okay. So if you need any of that, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, I would highly recommend you go check out the website. Ash will put it right on the top of the website, right? You can have it up yep. there. Okay. So mindofgeorge.com, or you can, as always, just DM me on Instagram, DM me backstage. I will send you the link directly. 
I'm assuming we'll have it linked on Instagram as well, be on my Facebook, it'll be in our Facebook group, but we want to make it easy for you as well. And so start keeping your eyes peeled. Um, we're starting to finalize the event for October. Once I lock in that, which the dates are locked in, the contract is already signed actually. So I guess they're kind of locked in. We'll start working out and, uh, I'm going to tell you right now to pay attention because the first tickets go to all previous alumni and uh, those tend to go pretty quick. And then from there, we open it up to the general public and we will always cap these events. They are capped at 70 people. That way I can know your name, you can know mine, and we can all know each other's businesses so we can win. And so that means if there's more of you, I might have to do two of them back to back. Who knows? That might be a little sadistic. We might need two staffs, but I'll figure it out because that'll be fun for me. That's like a game for me, like my Olympic performance. So we love you. Ash, we're gonna have to do this again. I kind of like this. Anytime we need me to do a, like a breakdown of anything we've done, you just have to interview me. I'm totally in for this. All right, let's do it. Okay, so you are now the official co-host of anything you need to break down. I'm no longer gonna run through a diatribe, but like, what was your takeaway from the event? Nope, it ain't happening. You ask me, <laughs> it's so much better and so much easier. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, if you have not, can you do us a favor and go leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify? If you listen on Spotify, please leave us a review because Spotify has reviews. We don't have that many reviews help more people find the show, but also they help me convince crazy guests that don't know me yet to come on the show because they somehow wage the value of a podcast based on how many reviews it has, whatever. But that's what I do to Trojan horse them in. Then I make them fall in love with me and then us. And then I extract all their knowledge for free and give it to you. And it's like, I'm the Robin Hood of marketing. So that's why it happens. That's why it matters. And so we're going to go, we're going to wrap. We have a lot of other calls today. So have a beautiful day. We're about to cue the intro, outro, outro. Remember relationships beat algorithms. You will either see me in the next episode or you will hear us in your earballs. But either way, have a good day. And Ash, thank you so much for interviewing me and being the CE Ashleo. We're gonna end the show now. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.